Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for MMA Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this could happen to me, plucked from obscurity or whatever I was working to be. But the opportunity presented itself, so I seized the door was open. It's the breath of fresh air that I needed. Just an average dude, and now I've become a catalyst. Make connection between fighters and fans. Can you imagine it? I've learned to manage it. Analyst analysis, study the sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight, this ain't by accident. In the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness as we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brand, as we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans, and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision, and the yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker We are radio. back, suckers, for another episode of it's Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, and uh, fantastic show for you this Christmas week. Uh, dropping the show on Tuesday rather than Thursday, so you get a couple days in um, before your Christmas schedules to listen to myself and a few other blokes who I have on the show Pleased to welcome Hector Lombard, who will take on Josh Berkman at UFC 182 in just over a week's time. Um, January the 3rd is the precise date that he will fight on the pay-per-view portion of the UFC 182 fight card. Justin Pierrot, as always, will give us his unpopular opinions. And I will be joined to kick off the show... By Kirik Jenis. If you don't know the name, you should. This is the man behind the UG MixedMartialArts.com. He has been in the game since UFC 1, actually prior to UFC 1. He owned a gym. He still does. He teaches people. And he loves the sport of mixed martial arts. So he uh, created this website. And it is the biggest thing on the interweb. If you have not seen it or heard of it, get on over to the UG. Now, a few news things before... um, we get into Kirik's interview. Breaking today on, uh, actually yesterday, on Monday, Dominic Cruz once again sidelined indefinitely with another ACL injury. <sighs> this sucks. It's on a different leg this time. It's on his opposite leg, but obviously retirement, I say obviously way too much, but... Retirement must be clicking in this guy's head because, man, out three years, comes back, has a tremendous performance in his last outing, and now, once again, sidelined due to ACL. Other news, we, you know, there's been an elephant in the room over the last, I don't know how many weeks. First, we had um, the UFC Reebok deal. Then we had the signing of CM Punk, which overshadowed UFC 181. I know I say in my Keurig Genis interview, UFC 182 and 183 for some reason. I apologize about that in advance. Yes, the interview was pre-recorded, so I can warn y'all that I misspoke in that interview. So those are two. We then had the lawsuit against the UFC from some former fighters, from some current fighters, Uh, Ryan Jimmo, who I spoke with last week, spoke out about this lawsuit and everything else going on with it. And now, this past weekend, it was announced the UFC has signed Quentin Rampage Jackson. According to Scott Coker, president of Bellator, or yes, Bellator, he is still under exclusive rights with that organization. So, this could get sticky. I speak with Kirik about all four of those topics, um, and we get into it a little bit about them. So listen to that for his insight on that. Uh, we have not too many other news going on. We had a great fight night this past weekend. Machida dropping CB Dalloway early, early, early in the first round. Henan Barrow coming back and beating Mitch Gagnon uh, in his return to the octagon. 
I don't have anything else to talk about right now, so we will get right into my first interview. As I said, pre-recorded interview with the UG Zone, Kirik Jenis, right after this. My next guest has his feet wet with almost everything to do with mixed martial arts, as well as being the man behind the world-famous UG. Please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Kirik Jenis, to Sucker Radio for the very first time. Kirik, thanks a bunch for joining me today, man. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I don't know what took me so long. I'm a little embarrassed at that. <laughs> now, I'm sure a ton of people know how you got into the game of mixed martial arts and martial arts in general, but maybe there are some, as the UG would say, 14ers out there that don't. Uh, just explain your upbringing in the martial arts community. Uh, I blame Bruce Lee. I was, uh, I think I was 13 years old. I was living in the kingdom of Lesotho in Southern Africa. Um, there was a, a holiday inn that had a movie theater. It was one of the two movie theaters in the, in the capital. And uh, they had Enter the Dragon playing. So I, I, I remember I walked there by myself. I don't even know if I knew, you know, what Enter the Dragon was or Bruce Lee was or anything. But I just went to the movies because it was the only thing to do in town. A couple mile walk by myself, saw Enter the Dragon, left the movie theater. And I've, I've pretty much never wanted to do anything else since. Uh, I opened up a uh, um, martial arts gym right when I got out of college, which would have been 80, 82 or so. And, uh, then in no, 83, I guess. Yeah. 83. And then in 93, um, UFC one debuted and we all gathered around and watched that first pay-per-view. And I was like, Oh, oops, that was a wasted 10 years. Time to, time to start doing this. Uh, and I, that's all I've done since. Yeah. Now. And, and I mean, as I said in the intro, you do have your feet wet in a bunch of different things. I've seen a number of interviews and most of them coming while you're at events and, and you're not on many podcasts from what I've what I've seen out there, but these interviews that have gone on at events are, are either yourself refereeing or yourself cornering people. Just speak about that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, my favorite thing to do by far is coach. Um, but, you know, I'm no Craig Jackson. So Craig Jackson says regularly that he considers it a blessing that he can make a living coaching. And I think there's only a few people that are good enough at coaching that, that can, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good a coach. I wish I was. Um, so I love coaching. Um, I, I love refing. I love everything because refing doesn't pay anything either. Again, you know, I've, I've ref hundreds and hundreds of fights and probably the most they ever made was 300 bucks or something. So if you love this sport and, uh, and you want to eat, you, you have to kind of follow where the money is. Um, and so that's why I've I've spent so many hours on the internet. But if I had my druthers, I'd hell I'd spend most of those hours in the gym just teaching anybody who wanted to learn. Now you said most of your hours on the internet. Obviously, you created the UG and and the underground mixedmartialarts.com. It's become the place to be for not only mixed martial arts fans but fighters. UFC President Dana White himself even goes on there. Jeez, are you surprised at where it's gotten to today? Well, we, um, I, it, it all starts back when, uh, when, uh, when Hensel Gracie released, he released, uh, this 11 videotape set and, uh, it, it, it was like the keys to the kingdom to us. We're like, Oh my God, this is everything we need to know. But my memory's horrible. I'm a goldfish. Um, so I started taking notes. And then at my, uh, I ran a health club at the time. So my health club, we happened to get a computer that allowed us to digitize video. And so I was like, you know, I would remember these notes better if I had little pictures of it. So we did that. And then I was like, you know, I could like turn this into a, into like some kind of a manual. So I went to Craig Kukuk, who was uh, Hensel's partner at the time. And I was like, Hey, I'll give you this manual. If you want to, uh, if you'll give me like some free private lessons or something. And he kind of blew me off. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it on my own. So we, it took about, oh boy, two years or so. We turned into a book called The Fighter's Notebook. And then we needed a way of marketing it because we didn't know anything. And that was where the internet came in. Um, I, at the time, the sport was called NHB. And so I wanted to get NHB.com. And that had just been grabbed like two weeks beforehand by Disney. I wanted to get, uh, mixed martial arts wasn't, like I had submissionfighting.com because we called it submission fighting too. We kind of called it mixed martial arts, but not really. 
so I grabbed that one. Uh, MMA.com was 200 bucks, so I turned that down. That was too much <laughs> money. That was one of about a million mistakes I've made in this space. Um, but we got on the uh, we got on the internet and we started the site in '98. Before that, it was a little AOL site called The Art of NHB Fighting, and we had 400 people on there. And that was just a miracle that there was 400 people even interested in the sport. Um, so yeah, I mean the fact that it's uh, a sport on television now uh, it boggles my mind every single day. I bet, and and the community itself online. I mean, obviously there are the trolls out there. But you, you guys seem to keep them in check as much as possible. It, how cool is it to interact with the amount of people that you do on a day-to-day basis? I mean, this doesn't happen in anything outside of the online world. Yeah, it can. I actually, I like the trolls. If there's any trolls listening to this, I, I really like you guys. And if, if, the, the, if the godfather of all trolls, the Don Break Your Army, is listening out there, Dude, I'll buy you a gi or something if you get in touch with me. So I, I, I got no problem with trolls. I think I, I kind of get where they come from. And then people who love the sport, you know, we're all on the same team. I mean, yeah, real real hardcore fans of this sport are, you know, I'm their people and, and they're my people. And it's, uh, it's a blessing to, to interact with them. It's overwhelming on Sundays, particularly with social, uh, with social networking. Back when it was email, I could sort of stream all the communication to either email or the UG, but you know, now you've got you got Twitter and Facebook and text messaging, and and it, it's a little harder to to stay on top of, but it, it's still a blessing. Now the trolls have been becoming some serious keyboard warriors over the past several weeks, and I want to talk about this with you because there have been some some huge and serious elephants in the room over the past month with the UFC itself. Uh, let's start with the Reebok deal. Um, what are your thoughts on it, and do you think? Obviously, we don't know all the details of it, but do you think it'll help all fighters, or do you think that it just helps the guys at the top? Because I've heard guys say, you know, the guys at the top aren't going to do as well with this Reebok deal. It might help the middle of the ground guys, whereas there's other guys out there that think only the top fighters it'll help. I I think the guys at the top, it's definitely going to help. Um, And... Uh, you know, one piece of proof for that is John Jones already negotiated with him and came up with a better deal than what he previously had. Um, so, I mean, he had Nike, then that got lost when he got in that, that little tussle with uh, with Daniel Cormier, um, which, by the way, I thought was embarrassing, but at the same time, pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and then Ronda Rousey, you know, has, has signed a deal with him. And I, I understand that's the first apparel deal. So I think the people at the very top are going to be fine. When I look at the numbers for it, and then you divide it by 500 people, and then you look at the the ratio between what the entry level people make, I don't see how they're going to. You know, the guys are getting eight and eight. I don't see how they're going to do well at all. But most of those guys weren't doing well at all, anyways, because of the sponsor tax. I mean, if you're a first-time UFC fighter, you can probably get your local pizza place to to to, to give you a thousand bucks. But the UFC's not having that. We we had a uh, we had a local fighter once on a local show, and he made eleven thousand dollars in oh, local geez. sponsors. No, no TV or anything. But with a sponsor tax, that's all gone. So, I think I think for the top people, it's going to be great. Um, I think for the bottom people, uh, it. Mm, we're going to have to wait and see. In the middle people, it's probably going to be a little bit of a wash. But if there was anybody that I was worried most about having a tough time with this one, it's the entry-level people. Just when I look at the size of the, the 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 nut, and then you divide it between the top people getting whatever, 10, 20 times more than the entry-level people, I don't see much left over at the bottom. But at the same time, man, that bottom money was 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 driving was drying up pretty horribly too. I mean, there was a time not that long ago, three, four years ago when a fighter could more, or a decent manager could more or less get the equivalent of the purse. And that, that's just long gone. Um, and I experienced that myself. You know, we used to have, we used to have really good sponsors on the site. Um, and, and now they're a lot more modest. For uh, sure. So yeah. It's, a, it's an industry wide trend. Yeah, and especially with the amount of fight cards that they have going on. I mean, there are a bunch of 
sort of bottom feeder fighters that are that are in the organization now. There are more lower level guys than there are upper level guys. Yeah, I think it's you know it's what somewhere around uh, somewhere around five hundred or so. And if you take the amount of money that 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 Reebok, you take that amount of Reebok money, and then take whatever twenty percent of it or whatever the bottom people are going to get, you divide that by five hundred. It's not a big number, um, but they weren't making that much beforehand. So until it comes out, I, I can't say anything definitively at all. Um, but it feels to me like the top people are going to do great. The middle people are going to probably do as good as they are, and the the ones I worry about are the the eight and eight guys. All right, another big item which even overshadowed UFC 182 was the signing of CM Punk. I know it seems like, in my opinion, they're doing this to get viewers. I'm 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 against the fact that that there are guys that have fought and trained their entire lives just to get to the UFC, and some of them actually never do. But this guy, because he has a name and he's got value and and stuff like that, and he's bringing the WWE audience sort of like the same way Brock Lesnar did, this guy gets signed. What's your opinion on the signing of CM Punk? Um, <laughs> my first impression was like, oh my God, I want to fight this guy. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've never had an arena fight in my life. Um, you know, and, and I was like, there, there was a time in, the, say, the mid-90s or early 90s, the first 10 UFCs or whatever, where there'd be like eight killers or nine killers, and there'd be one guy who was an ambulance driver from Miami, and I'd be like, you know what? I would fight that guy. Um, and then that, it finally happened again. They signed CM Punk. I'm like, oh, my God, I'll, I'll fight that guy. And uh, I was even thinking about texting Joe Silva about it. And then <laughs> I realized that there was a line ahead of me, probably, I'm not even exaggerating, 500 deep or something. Um, and so so that, that thought went out the window. Uh, the next thought that went out the window was, who is this guy? Because I'm not really, uh, I don't really follow the WWE since Hulk Hogan or whatever. Um, so I Googled him, and he's apparently a huge, huge figure in the WWE. From a business point of view, um, I think A, they're going to like the, the UFC is going to make a lot of money off the guy, and B, they had no choice because if they didn't take him, Bellator sure as hell would because Bellator did awesome with that kind of pro wrestling like approach um, to Tito versus Bonner. Yeah. So I, I think the UFC was boxed in. They were going to take him, or somebody else would, um, and that's somebody else that's, that's nipping at their their nipping at their heels. Um, and I think that it's going to bring a whole huge new demographic in, um, bring a whole ton more money in, and man, hopefully some of that money trickles down to the fighters. You see, um, but the thing, I, I guess that's my last thought. Yeah, but Bellator can get away with the sort of gimmicky fights. I mean, Scott Coker has done those those sort of fights in the past, and we saw it with Tito versus Bonner. But don't you think it makes the UFC lose a little bit of credibility bringing in a guy who's zero and zero, especially if they're gonna bring in another guy who is is sort of wishwashy as well to fight him? It definitely uh, cuts into their credibility. It definitely cuts into the credibility of uh, of yeah. It definitely cuts into the credibility of the UFC as sort of the the representative of the the pinnacle of of the sport. You know, if the New York Yankees had CM Punk walk on and start playing for him. It it, it, it wouldn't say very much about about them in baseball. Um, so yeah, there there absolutely is that. On the other hand, I can see why the the UFC took the steps they did because it was, as the expression goes, there's millions of reasons to to sign him. And if they didn't do it, Bellator would. Their competition would. Um, my guess is um, upper management. At, at the UFC really struggled with it um, and went back and forth and, uh, and, and, and did what they, you know, a, what they felt like they had to do and B what was going to make a millions of dollars. I think in the end it was, it was a pretty easy decision. As if that wasn't enough. We have the lawsuit on top of things, which, which brought many fighters out of their shell, including the interview that I did last week on, on sucker radio with Ryan Jimmo. Um, do you think that, that this could hurt the UFC in the long run? Will it make it better for fighters? Do you think it will actually get a fighters union or a, a players association kind of thing out of this whole thing? 
I think the I think the suit itself is stupid because I don't think the UFC is a monopoly. I mean, I, I think there's a bunch of attorneys that are looking at like a $200 million judgment and they would get 30% of it or, or whatever it is. So they're chasing that $60 million. But uh, Department of Justice attorneys who don't get $30 million or $60 million or whatever it is out of this looked at it back when the UFC was definitely in much more of a monopoly position in 2011, having just bought Strike Force, having acquired Pride like four years before then, having bought W, uh, taken all the WFA contracts. I mean, that was pretty, I mean, that was pretty close to a monopoly. <laughs> and they said it wasn't, it wasn't worth investigating. Since then, of course, you've got the, you know, the rise of the, the Viacom down Bellator. So it's not a monopoly. I mean, I, I, I read the, the, the whole, whatever it was, 200, 200 point, um, case and they had like typos in there and sexually incorrect things and it, it seems slapdash on the other hand there does have to be some kind of a players association or 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 something um so that the players can be a little bit more organized in their representation um i don't know anything about how you know all i know in life is, is mixed martial arts i don't know how professional sports are organized whether it's union-based or if there can be a players' association separate to a union or or what, but definitely players need some kind of you know maybe they need one attorney that's like all the UFC fighters' attorney that can advocate on their behalf. They need some kind of organization, um, but I don't think that uh, you know a three-year lawsuit arguing that the UFC is a monopoly when it's not is is necessarily the way to get there. Um, but you know, if the UFC could agree to a players association and then pay off these attorneys, give them 20 million bucks or whatever, um, if it ends up with a players association, I guess that'd be great. Um, my guess is the UFC is just going to fight this, um, tooth and nail to the bitter end when, uh, American, um, what's it called? American lawyer, some online magazine for American law, they profiled, uh, um, some of the law firms that the UFC is looking at. And one of them is funny. I was reading this on a Wednesday and one of them the day beforehand had argued literally the day beforehand had concluded arguments in a case against Apple for 10 years. <laughs> and three hours later, the journey, the jury came back and said, not guilty. So 10 years of, of effort on this law firm. Um, and it was over. They got, they didn't get a dime. And I think that's the ending that the, the UFC uh, is 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 going to be looking for, but yeah, there has to be some kind of players association. There's some kind of organization for fighters. People have been talking about it for for quite some time as well. It, it's it's just never come to fruition. I mean, I remember Randy Couture back in the day talking about something about that. It's it's going to take one strong nosed fighter to get everyone rounded up. Would you not agree? Uh, it's funny, you know, I've talked about this with, um, I have a, I have a friend who's in uh, music management and, um, he actually asked me about the sport. He read an interview in the Boston Globe with Dana and I don't even think he, he kind of knew vaguely I did martial arts, but he said, Hey, do you know about this Dana White guy? And I was like, yeah. And he asked me a bunch of questions and he said, Oh yeah. He said the record industry has gone through the exact same thing. Um, and he said, at some point, you he said it, the the thing that, that that tips it is, you need to get a figure in the sport that's bigger than the company, and then the company needs the figure more than the, the the in this case the fighter, the company needs the talent more than the talent needs the company. He said, when you get that in this sport, it's all going to switch. And then he gave me big examples with like bands like Nickelback and how they can bend over the companies they work for. Um, right now. That fighter doesn't exist. I thought it was going to be John Jones, but his personality just didn't. It didn't mesh quite right with 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 America, with the world. Um, I thought John Jones was going to be a bigger figure than is the UFC, and he could be the guy that sort of turns things. But he's not. Um, I, I don't think Ronda Rousey is. She said pretty clearly she does things in in four year blocks, four years for the Olympics, <laughs> and then. She's going to give MMA four years, and then she'll be a movie star for four years or something along those lines. So I don't think she's going to be around big enough. 
Um, yeah, I, I think at, at some point in the in the sports development, some figure that will come along that uh, that, that 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 causes a sea change. But I don't see that person now. The one person I guess that it could potentially be is uh, George Saint Pierre. Um, he's sort of made some 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 talk in that regard, um, but I, I'm not convinced that that's really where his you know his heart lies in what's effectively political organization. I think his heart lies uh, in the gym. You know, he's, he's talked endlessly about he wants to open up an awesome gym and. And then coach, and it's my dream too. I, I know where he's coming from. Does it have to be a, a big name champions type fighter to to start this whole thing up? I mean, we saw Jamie Varner wanting to do it. He wants to start things up. I could see a guy like, say, Uriah Faber possibly getting behind something like this as well. I don't want to sound like a dick here. Um, <laughs> a lot of fans that don't spend much time with fighters outside of like maybe at an autograph booth or something. Um, I think yet a little bit starry eyed. I mean, people don't fight because they had like super happy childhoods and everything in their life is perfect. You, you fight cause you're, you're trying to fight for your, your sense of self. Um, and as a consequence, the the, 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 the the 550 guys that are signed with the, the UFC, trying to organize those guys into a union, I think is an impossible task. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't see Jamie Varner being able to, to, to organize that. I don't even see George St. Pierre um, being able to organize it. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, I've, I've spent as much time as anybody with a lot, a lot of fighters, and I don't see those 500 guys all joining a union and getting together and pulling in the same direction. Okay, the final item that brought a frenzy on Twitter and the interweb was this past weekend signing of Quentin Rampage Jackson back to the UFC. I myself was surprised by this with the fact that he is still under supposedly exclusive contract to Bellator, which was confirmed by Scott Coker almost immediately after the announcement. Um, would you agree that this thing's bound to get sticky? Um, I think that the re-signing of Rampage and the apparent um, legal battle with Viacom that's going to ensue is such a perfect moment for the UFC that they couldn't even have planned it. I think they just stumbled into it. Um, because basically the, the, the lawsuit is claiming that the UFC is a monopoly and that they have no competition and that they're the hugest force in the industry and that they're a horrible company to work for. Nobody wants to work for them. They dominate everybody. And there's going to be a lawsuit with a two or three and a half billion dollar UFC versus the $72 billion Viacom all over a guy who's fighting to get back into the UFC, who's a big name. Um, that, and just in terms of PR and also factually, the fact that you've got a massive, a relatively massive company taking on a relatively tiny company over a fighter that's going back and forth between two different promotions um, and is trying to get back into the UFC that's supposedly so horrible that everybody wishes would get blown up. I, I just think it's such a godsend for the UFC that it's just nothing that good happens to anybody. It must have just fallen in their, into their lap, and it, it's serendipity that it works out so well for them. So you, um, but you I think, think they're using the this as goes, sort of a great. You think they're using this as sort of a a bargaining ploy and 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 whatnot. I don't think anybody, when things this good happen in life, I don't think anybody's smart enough to uh, to have engineered it. But I think that. They've re-signed. I think that they've re-signed. Um, I think there's going to be a court battle over it, and I think that court battle is like the best thing that could have happened to the UFC as far as this uh, this class action lawsuit goes, because the class action lawsuit says the UFC is horrible. Everybody wants to get out of it. They dominate the industry, um, and here's a lawsuit about a guy who's not running from the horrible UFC. He's trying to get into it. And it's a battle not between the massive UFC dominating the whole sport, but massive Viacom dominating the UFC. It's it, it, it. I don't like I said. It, it just it plays to their advantage 
so holy. I don't think anybody could have could have fallen into it. But I think that's the picture that uh, that the uh, that the the court case is going to paint. Now move away from all that stuff. You've you said you've been with the sport since. I don't know, the beginning of it, since UFC won, you, you guys watched it, you stumbled upon it, you hung out at the gym and, and took it in, so now we're all the way at UFC 183, which is coming upon us, or 182, what do you think is the most surprising thing that you've seen change over the past 20 some odd years? Um, the, well, the, the most surprising thing is that it's now basically a mainstream sport. Um, my mom knows about it and she talks about it with her friend. Um, that, that I, I never, ever, 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 ever thought that that was going to happen. I thought it was going to, it was going to be a, uh, it was going to be a small sport. And when Dana bought the UFC, I actually had breakfast with him. I wasn't, I think we had breakfast. We just had coffee. Um, and he, he, he laid out all the things he wanted to do. You know, I, I, I want to get the regulation everywhere. I, I want to get it back on pay-per-view. I want to get it on free TV. And then the sport is going to take off. Um, and at the time, I was like, you, you, probably nobody's going to believe me, but my impression at the time was, Jesus, you know, nice idea, but this guy seems really way too sweet to ever be able to pull this off. He was like a just a super kind of sweet, seemed like a do-gooder um <laughs> and he did you know he just didn't he didn't strike me as being a guy who could get a whole ton done um and so i was just like and at the time the sport was you know doing horribly it was barely even it wasn't even on pay-per-view i think this was some i think we were at mohegan but it could have been vegas i can't remember um the sport was just i i basically thought the sport was going to have to rebuild from the ground up you know, all my, my friends in New England who were promoters and stuff, I thought we were just going to have to build it up from the ground up. And maybe in 50 years or 60 years or something, it would take off. And instead, in, in five or six years, it, it took off. So that's the that's the biggest the biggest change, that it, it actually became a real sport. Um, I guess the second biggest thing that I don't want to say it surprised me, but but I didn't anticipate was that the sport became uh, um, wrestling dominated. Um, I definitely, and I started from a stand-up background and then jujitsu came along. I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta learn this jujitsu. This is awesome. This is everything. Uh, and I, I, I just didn't see the, the, the rise of, of, of wrestling dominating the sport. And I think the next thing that's going to happen is because I, I, I don't know if you, you follow American wrestling at all, but America is not a superpower in wrestling by any means. Um, so I think when all these I think when all these Russian wrestlers start start getting into MMA on a on a major scale, I think you're going to see a Russian invasion that sort of redefines the sport once again. And it's not just wrestling dominating MMA; it's it's Russian wrestling dominating MMA. That's the that's the next thing I see. So you you had coffee with Dana White um, when he decided to purchase the organization. So you've seen a transformation not only in the UFC but also in Dana White. Yeah, I mean, he, he just started off. I swear to God, I, I, at the time, I think he was driving a purple gremlin, um, <laughs> and he just seemed like a really sweet dude. And, and I really doubted that he could sort of get all these big things done, um, just because he, he seemed so nice. Um, I think he, he bumped into a lot of the reaction. People... People fault him a lot for his personality, but I, I, I gotta say, in my heart, I think in no small part that what you see is a reflection of the sport. Um, I, I think he's he's run into a lot of problems, and and those problems didn't make him any nicer on a day to day basis. Um, and so, sure, I mean, nobody's personality changes one hundred percent because of their job. But I think absolutely the, the Dana White that we see is in no small part actually created by the sport. All right, finally, before I let you go here, one of our writers and Invicta FC fighter, Roxanne Modafferi, was a student of yours. Um, I loved seeing her post on, on Facebook and Twitter of you with her and, and you being her first um, martial arts coach or mixed martial arts coach, and then you saying to me how she was like... Um, 
the daughter of yours that you never had. You must be extremely proud of how far she's come in her career, eh? There is nobody in this sport that I am more proud of than Roxanne Mataferi. Um, everybody talks about how important heart is, um, but all the guys that talk about how important heart is are like killer athletes. They were like killer wrestlers or killer kickboxers before then. I mean, Roxanne was not a killer athlete before she started mixed martial arts. Um, everything she's achieved has been through incredibly hard work uh, and intel uh, intelligence and, and focus and, and diligence. And she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human being and a sign that it, it, if you two work as hard as you can for 10 years, you know, you two can do something in this sport. Uh, I, I, there's probably nobody in this sport. She's the only person that I can't say good enough good things about in this sport. Everybody else, I can fault them for something, but not Roxanne. Um, she's awesome. He is Kirik Jenis, and you can find his goods over at MixedMartialArts.com, the UG. Kirik, man, it's been a pleasure. 30 minutes of uh, chatting with you. I'm sure I could have gone much longer. Uh, if there's any shout-outs right now, now's the time. <laughs> Shout-out to Roxanne Montefiore. That's it. <laughs> anything that you have planned in the not so distant future uh other than the underground or mixedmartialarts.com yeah we've always got stuff coming i've got uh mma hall of fame dot coming mma hall of fame dot com coming i've got um we've got uh we've got a game in development and uh the biggest thing i've got coming is a website where the technology doesn't suck um we're redesigning <laughs> the redesigning the entire uh underlying structure behind the site it'll look identical but instead of crashing during big shows it'll it'll work thanks a lot Kirik, man and uh have a great holiday season happy holidays cheers 30 minutes around there with Kirik jenis from the ug mixedmartialarts.com i could have chat with that guy a lot longer um but you know the show must go on so right after this, we will have Justin Pirro chat about his unpopular opinions. You got an opinion? It doesn't matter. Because Justin Pirro doesn't give a shit about yours. Up next, Unpopular Opinions, here on Sucker Radio. It was the podcast before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Except for Mighty Mouse. Because, well, that's the only time that poor Demetrius gets a chance to play video games anymore now that he's got young kids. It's me, Justin Pirro, back for more unpopular opinions here on Sucker Radio at MMASucka.com. So, let's get started. World MMA Awards proved themselves to be an even bigger joke than you would have thought. Why, you ask? Well, you may have seen me on Twitter, at StormlandBrand, break out a new hashtag. No Brookhouse, no peace. Well, I think that's fair. Simply because... It's such a joke now. The voting's opened. And, uh... Let's just go through this. You know, I'm going to be honest. I made some votes just to screw with the system. Your fighter of the year, you know, you got, that's actually not bad. Female fighter of the year, that's not bad. Breakthrough fighter of the year, again, not bad. Some of these are all right. Like, the actual fighting ones are okay. Uh, submission of the year, personally, I went for Rockhold versus Boach for the Octopus Lock. And uh, it's... When you start getting into stuff like trainer of the year, referee of the year, the fact that they have a ring card girl of the year and all of them are white. And I don't know, that seems slightly on the racist end of things to me because you got one FC, you've got the UFC's Asian ring card girls, you know, it just seems a little off. And then personality of the year. Had not told Aranja, really? Really? No Jonathan Chamberg in your trainer of the year? 
And you've got Mike Beltran, of all people, up for referee of the year. Yes, he has that glorious dwarven mustache, but no. You know, going back to the personality of the year, Hanato Laranja, who is basically an actor portraying a very egotistical BJJ black belt. I'm not dissing his credibility, he is a black belt, but I mean, it is a character. It's tangentially related to MMA, simply because he's got a Twitter feud with Vinny Magalesh. No, Hinato's spot should be occupied by Ariel Helwani, who unfortunately is up for MMA Journalist of the Year, along with two other guys from MMAFighting.com, Dave Meltzer and Luke Thomas. I've got no beef with Meltzer and Thomas. Um, Jack Slack, who is a phenomenal writer, who but is unfortunately employed by a website that is partly funded by the UFC, that being Vice's Fightland. So really, if you want to go with any sense of impartiality, because, again, no Brookhouse, no peace. You gotta vote for Ben Folks over at MMA Junkie. And because they didn't include uh, Senior Brookhouse, the closest you can get to voting for him anywhere, you can close the MMA Media Source of the Year, and for that, vote Bloody Elbow. As far as best technical clothing brand, the fact that uh, they don't have Torque on there, because, uh, I've got a pair of those Torque fight shorts. They are great. They're they're perfect, man. Like I got no complaints about that at all whatsoever. But uh yeah, I mean fighters only. Like I'd love to, going back to the MMA journalist thing, fighters only, World MMA Awards. I want to know what your criteria for best journalist of the year is because quite honestly for a media outlet, you've got no transparency. And I'm going to touch on that later on when we before the end, where I start doling out Christmas wishes for the MMA community. Now moving on, Dominic Cruz busts his other ACL. Oh, the guy just doesn't listen to his body. He's, you know, for all the masterful footwork and technical acumen he has. He seems to have the body awareness of a tree stump. You know, if it hurts, sometimes you got to take a break. You know, if he, ha if he hasn't figured that out yet, I don't know what it's going to take. And I mean, to top that off, Rafael Asuncao, he's out now because he broke his ankle, and who knows how long that's going to be. But, uh, you know, the bantamweight title picture just got a heck of a lot less crowded, so... Looks like we may get to see Barrow versus Dillashaw too. Now, Bellator, in order to counter the sorry the UFC signing of CM Punk, is reportedly signing former WWE wrestler Alberto Del Rio. Del Rio, as wrestling fans may know, used to wrestle in Mexico under a mask as Dos Caras Jr. And during his tenure there, he competed in uh, Deep and Pride in legitimate mixed martial arts bouts for a record of 9-5. and five. Now, if you've watched the Best of Deep on the Fight Network, hosted by Robin Black and John Ramdean, and I'll, I got a little bit more to say about them later, and it's all good, don't worry, then I've, you'll have seen some of uh, Del Rio's fights. And you know what? I don't think he'll do that bad. I've seen him fight before. He's 9-5. and five. Yeah, he got knocked out by Krokop, but he's a decent grappler, and I don't doubt that he hasn't kept working on that. And now, finally, in the last bit of seriousness, I want to congratulate TSN and the Fight Network on their shared acquisition of the UFC's Canadian television rights. The fact that the, US, sorry, that the Fight Network is going to be getting so much of the programming, you know, they're going to be getting... Uh, the domestic prelims and uh, all the FS1 cards and all that, and they're going to get to make their own pre, so their own uh, pregame shows, as it were. That's fantastic because that brings more of a spotlight to another guy who really should have been up for best MMA analyst of the year, and that's really something that needs to come about because guys like Jack Slack, Connor Rubush, uh, the guys over at MMA Analytics. And of course, Mr. Robin Black. Those guys are analysts, and they are, they're great. And Robin Black is cream of the crop. 
And he's the only one out of that group who is a former mixed martial artist. He is a retired mixed martial artist, but you know what? He's been there. He's done it. And that gives him a unique voice. And I really believe that uh, this is the start of even bigger things for him. So, Robin, congratulations on this opportunity. I know you're going to make the most of it. Now, finally, it's time for me to start doling out the Christmas presents that I would give if at all possible. First of all, going back to fighters only. I'd like to give them some windows. Because there's apparently no transparency whatsoever there, and they need some. For Nate Diaz, I want to give him Ice-T as his life coach. Because Ice-T will teach him how to work that hustle. Ice-T will teach him how the proper way to do business. For Dominic Cruz, I wish that he would be given someone who will tell him, that's it, you're done. You're cut off. No more training today. Because his coaches are obviously failing him. For Ben Askren, I would like to I would like him to get a copy of how to make friends and influence people because he's not doing a great job of that these days. For John Jones, well he also needs a copy of the same book, but uh he also needs a dumb phone because he makes so many gaffes on social media, he just needs to be kept off it. He needs to do the GSP thing and let other people handle it. And uh, for the UFC, an injury-free, relatively injury-free 2015, one that doesn't scuttle the year like 2014 was. And finally, for Tommy Toehold, a trainer to make him work his legs. All right, everybody, because it's Festivus, I want to hear your complaints and grievances. It's time for the airing of grievances. So hit me up on Twitter at Stormland Brand or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Stormland. Or, of course, you can also go to the MMA Sucka Facebook page, facebook.com slash MMA Sucka. And so, Merry Christmas. We'll hopefully see you next week. I'm not sure on the schedule, but hey, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Have a crazy Kwanzaa or whatever else it is you celebrate. Now back to you, Jeremy. As always, again, Justin Pirro, thanks for those unpopular opinions. They were a doozy this week, my friend. Um, a guy who has opinions about his upcoming fight. Uh, we'll be joined by Hector Showweather Lombard right after this. Joining me now is a man set to take on Josh Berkman at UFC 182. Please welcome Hector Lombard to Sucker Radio. Hector, thanks for joining me today, man. Thank you, brother. So, how's training been going? You said uh, you were out for a jog prior to this interview. How's things going? Oh, pretty good, man. I just tried to get my uh, tried to keep my my weight low, and uh, in order for me. Um, to do that, I have to always run after after practice. So. How how has but training been going? You're just about two weeks out from the fight now. How are you feeling? I feel great. Um, and I can't wait to be uh, on the most on the biggest card of uh, 2015. To be honest. For sure, at, at kicking off 2015 at that. Are you able to partake in, in the holiday festivities at all with, I mean, Christmas, New Year's Eve, all that stuff coming up? Uh, no, nah, it's going to be hard. Um, you know, um, but um, I mean, I, I'm sure that I'm going to have uh, more, 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 more Christmas and more, uh, and more, and more of these. Uh, <clears throat> holidays in in the in the near future. Now, for sure. Now, I I know you yourself are game to fight anyone, but uh, it doesn't seem like anyone is is really game to fight you. Uh, does the fact that no one seems to want to fight you boost your confidence at all? 
Um, um, I would say that you know that will hurt my that will hurt my 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 pocket. <laughs> no kidding, for sure. But I, I mean, it's gotta it's gotta make you feel either good or bad. I guess that that you're that damn good. I mean, it made me feel that uh, I need to get paid. You know, it's been almost a year without me getting a fight, and uh, um, I'm actually broke at the moment. Like, you know, um, I don't even remember when I got paid. Yeah, though. But I mean- um, it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, I have a fight and. Um, that's what that's what all matters at the moment. You say you're broke. Does does uh you don't have sponsors that are helping you out with the time off and stuff like that? No, I don't have sponsors, and and uh, it's one of one of one one of the things that are uh, that I'm happy that uh Rebo and uh, a few other sponsors coming coming along with uh, with the UFC because I mean. Uh, some fighters have been creating uh, these bars that oh, you know, now with the rebel, you know, he's hitting all our income and the stuff like that. But I think that you know, I think that you know, the 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 rebel thing is the best thing that happened to a lot of fighters in the UFC because a lot of sponsors they just mess around. As as fighters, you know, uh, they 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 promise you they're gonna pay you. They sometimes they don't pay you, and it's a mess, man. It's a mess, completely. It's a completely mess. That's interesting that you say that. I I I'm actually very surprised and and sort of happy that I get to hear a fighter say that they are pleased about this whole Reebok deal. Yeah, I mean, I am. That's great. Now, Josh Berkman. Josh Berkman was the man to step up to the plate. Were you surprised at all by this matchup? I was a little bit, but um, you know, if you had, if you take a look, uh, if you take take a look as a positive way, you know, it's gonna be another former champion that I beat and keep moving forward. What do you feel he brings to the table? Because obviously he's progressed since his first run in the UFC, but. Do you feel he's anywhere close to your caliber inside the cage? I mean, I mean, he's been he's, he's been beating uh, a lot of UFC fighters outside of uh, outside of the UFC, and you know, but I just gonna I just gonna show him the levels. <laughs> since making <laughs> since making your welterweight debut, your your two and zero. Do you feel this is the true weight class for you? Yeah, um, like I said before, when I fought on name or card, um, I think that UFC um, knew what they're doing when they told me that I sh- I should go down, I should move down to 170. Uh, nevertheless, at, at one point, I would love to go back to 185 and and have a couple scratch up there in in that way. What you, it's really it, hard for my body. Yeah, really is, is body. it something that you'd like to do, like bounce back and forth, or once you make the move back up to 185, you'd like to stay there? Yeah, I, I really would love to stay at 185, to be honest. I mean, uh, but, you know, I, I, that's not in the plan right now. The plan is just to uh, I keep moving forward in our 170. <clears throat> How does and, it, um, yeah, 170, how does it, do you feel that much stronger against these guys? I mean, I always felt strong. I mean, even I wanted to fight when I used to fight. Um, I have a couple of issues, you know, when I, you know, when I when I fall there, but um, not making any excuses. But uh, yeah, um, I always felt strong. I wanted to fight either way. Um, but uh, I want seventy. I feel a lot more faster than you know than what I was before. Uh, and, and I do have to train, and I do have to eat healthy. Yeah, otherwise, I will, I will never make that way. That's for sure. Speaking of eating and and uh, training healthily and stuff like that, are you still with Mike Dolce for your weight cuts and, and meal plans? 
No, I've never been with him. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you implemented him for your first weight cut. No, I was not. Oh, news to me. No. <laughs> yeah, I was not. I mean, I was. I was thinking to uh, work with him, but uh, I mean, he's, he's a very simple guy. You know, he's always. He has a lot of big name fighters and stuff like that. So, um, he, you know, Mike Dolce is is pretty hard. You know, he's a, he's, he's a one of the most difficult guys to get a hold of it. So, I mean, you'd like you'd, I, I, you'd like to a, if you could. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I said you would like to work with him if you could. Yeah, I would love to, but um, like I said, you know, he's he's extremely busy all the time, and uh, you know, um, I just rather to to do it on, on my own. Yeah, for sure. Now, with the welterweight division being so stacked, where do you think a win over Berkman puts you? I mean, we saw Rory McDonald get bypassed for the title shot so that they, they're going to have the trilogy fight from the looks of it between Hendricks and Lawler. You're currently sitting at six. Do you do you think a win over a guy like Berkman would give you a title shot or, or contendership? Uh, it depends. It depends uh, how I beat him. Uh, I mean, uh, my 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 point is to steal the show, and no due respect to uh, you know the guys are gonna be fighting that and that night. But uh, then my goal is to steal the show, keep moving forward, and and my other goal is to fight in Australia in November. So um, <clears throat> uh, this is. Uh, two goals that I have in mind. One is to establish the show in January, January third, and the other is to um, be the main event in in Australia. And I know I can. Um, I'm, I'm I'm very talented, excited fighter, and and Australia loves me, so I don't see I don't see why you know. Um, I was I was extremely upset when I couldn't fight in 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 the Australia card, but um, I mean, um, those are the two things that are that I want to accomplish for 2015. Would you like to another fight between the two? Yes, yes. I, 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 honestly, I want to be busy. I want to get paid. Uh, I'm hurting right now. Um, you know, it's kind of like I'm wounded. <laughs> yeah, I would say that my my pockets winded, and uh, I need to get paid. So you're looking to go out there, steal the show, maybe get a fight of the not fight of the night honors, knockout of the night honors, I guess, or, or performance of the night honors in this fight against uh, against Josh Berkman. Yeah, all together, you know, would be perfect, but it's not gonna happen. But <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now moving away from this fight, you you changed up your nickname uh, recently. Was was the real reason you changed your nickname because you didn't want to be associated with the likes of Brian Caraway? I, I didn't want to uh, be associated with with Brian Caraway. With Brian Caraway, Kid with, Lightning. <laughs> with, with that, I. I knew you were going to say that. I, I actually texted my buddy. I said, I'm going to ask uh, Hector Lombard this. I bet you any money he asks who Brian Caraway is. He is He's Misha Tate's boyfriend. He fights in the UFC. He's in the bantamweight division. His nickname is Kid Lightning. So I figured you might have changed your nickname because you didn't want to be associated with the likes of him. Since when he, 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 he pulled his brand name? What's that? Since when he put he put he called himself uh, Lightning? I don't know. He I'm pretty sure he's been Lightning for quite a while. Yeah. So what? Where show? Where show weather come it's from? Got, it's got nothing to do with Lightning. That's for sure. I mean, you know, to be called Lightning, you have to be extremely fast, <laughs> like I am. <laughs> and the fact that you um, have and the fact that you don't know who he is obviously means that he's not Lightning. You know, you know, I, I really didn't know who 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 he, who he was by name, but I I, I know who he, who you're talking about. I mean, yeah, who doesn't know Misha Tate? There you go. You He's know, Mr. Like, Mr. Misha Tate. 
Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I understand now. I, I know who he is now. Well, before you know by name, I I, I can't I can't associate with it. But yeah, I mean, I don't really care at the moment. My name is Showweather, and I call myself a Showweather because it's it's a combination between show to show up and to weather to any weather. So it's a combination between a person that goes to uh, any weather or show up to any weather. Uh, for example, like yourself, like um, is. 11.24 p.m. and you show weather to the interview. So we, we as we speak, we show weather. Sounds, so, I like it. <clears throat> yeah, we, we show to any weather, we show to any time, we show to, to whatever. So uh, it's almost midnight and here you are interviewing me. So that's what I call a show weather. You're a show weather person, and I'm a show weather guy because it's almost midnight, and I still talk to you when all the people are sleeping. For sure. Now, people that could be sleeping are, are people in Australia. You spoke about them and the fact that you want to fight fight in Australia. You've trained in many places. Which country was harder to adapt to training in, the United States or Australia? I mean... <clears throat> I would say both are the same. I mean, Australia and America are pretty much similar. Um, yeah, and um, they're, they're, both, they're both great great places to train. You know, I mean, Australia, I love Australia, and, and I love America. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that the most difficult place to train is Cuba. You led me right into my next question. Finally... President Obama started the process of uh, normalizing U.S.-Cuba relations last week. Uh, what do you think of the U.S. government's softening towards normalizing relations with them? It's not about, <clears throat> it's not about U.S. It's about Cuba. They don't want they don't want to lose control. And uh, you know, U.S. always want to. Um, have business between Cuba and and in America, but the 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 issue is that how can you have a a, a, uh, a negotiation with a, 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 a people that don't want to negotiate? You know what I mean. So <clears throat> what I, what I mean with this is that um, if you say well, uh, I would love to um, that everyone have internet, and the guys over there say like, "Well, we don't allow anyone to have the internet because that is gonna open the eyes to a lot of people and gonna see that um, you know, outside of Cuba, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, 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 and stuff like that. You know, so it's not about America. It's about um, some people out there in Cuba that don't want to change, you know, things how, how it is at the moment. So do you think anything's really going to come of this? I will tell you one thing. <laughs> when, when I see it, I will believe it. For sure. He is Hector Lombard. He'll square off against Josh Berkman at UFC 182 on January, only on pay-per-view. Hector, man, it's been a pleasure, and, and good luck on the third. Thank you. That about does it for this Christmas week episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. Thank you to my guests, Kirik Jenis from the UG. Check out MixedMartialArts.com, MMA.tv, or the UG. Google it uh, for joining me today. Thank you to Justin Pirro for his unpopular opinions. Thank you to Hector Lombard and good luck to him against Josh Berkman at UFC 182 on January 3rd live on pay-per-view. I'd like to thank those guests. Thank you to you for listening to this awesome podcast as always. Uh, to my sponsor on it, 
head on over to onnit.com and get yourself some Christmas goodies if you haven't, some Alpha Brain, some New Mood. Those supplements are awesome. Check them out. Use the coupon code M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A, M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A, for 10% off your entire supplement purchase. They have a Christmas guide. We have it over at MMASucka.com. So Google on it Christmas guide MMASucka and, and you'll find the link. So check them out. Coupon code M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A right there. With that, I am out. Any ground rules about languages is, is, I mean, I don't curse much anyways, but is cursing forbidden or anything else along those lines? It's a podcast, man. Say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the fuck you want to say. Okay, done.